episode and all of our Sundance coverage is brought to you by Rode Microphones and My Rode Reel. The world's largest short film competition is back, bigger and better in 2017. Head to MyRoadReel.com to sign up now. Welcome to the No Film School podcast. I'm Liz Nord, editor-in-chief of NoFilmSchool.com, and this week I'll be chatting with director Joshua Z. Weinstein, cinematographer and co-producer Yoni Brook, and lead actor Menasha Lustig from the Sundance Film Festival's surprising breakout hit, Menasha. Yiddish is a language developed among the Jewish population of Central Europe in the 9th century as a mix of their Biblical Hebrew and the German and other modern languages of the day. Before World War II, it was spoken by upwards of 13 million people. Today, in the U.S., it's estimated to only be spoken by less than 200,000. So it was definitely an unusual choice for the script, written by American director and native English speaker Joshua Z. Weinstein, on his new film, Menasha. And that wasn't the only unorthodox choice that was made. The movie was filmed with almost all untrained actors from within an insular, ultra-orthodox Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn, and the script was developed alongside its star, a man who had never seen a movie in a theater. Perhaps even more surprising is that the feature not only made it into this year's Sundance Film Festival, but got renowned executive producer Chris Columbus on board just before the event, and afterwards landed a deal with A24, which distributed last year's biggest indie hit, Moonlight. I met up with Weinstein, along with both the film's DP and its lead actor, at Sundance, to talk about their unique production and path to success in making this film about a widowed man who's trying to convince his traditional community that he's capable of caring for his young son even though there's no longer a woman in the house. By the way, during the interview, you'll hear the terms Hasidic, Haredi, and Lubavitch, which are all ways of describing different members of the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. So here we go. Welcome, everyone. I would love for each of you to introduce yourself and your role in the film. My name is Joshua Weinstein, and I'm the director, co-producer, co-writer, and co-cinematographer of Menasha. So my name is Menasha Lustig stage name and I am born with the talent of acting writing and uh, happens to be people likes my acting more than my writing so I have to connect to the people the demand one day I met with uh, a guy Joshua Weinstein and he clicked to me say I see you have something unique I want to talk to you and maybe we'll make something in a Jewish film. So I told them it will never happen. <laughs> so you say, you never know. Let's try it. Okay, we try it. We change numbers. <laughs> and they start the game. We uh, met a few times. And he started uh, writing down no- uh, notes from my life. And he creates uh, a whole script. And he asked me that after that if it's enough kosher. I says, yeah, I have no excuse. <laughs> you could go further. Yeah. So we'll we'll get back to more about the process of making oh, yeah. the film. And so in the meantime, let's not leave out our friend Yoni Brook here. Hi, I'm Yoni Brook. I was a co-cinematographer and one of the producers on Menasha. Cool. So um, so again, we'll get more into process, but as kind of the backstory, um, making a film is hard. 
very hard. It's one of the big themes we have at No Film School. Um, and this seemed like the pre-production was even harder than most and sort of in terms of getting the film off the ground. So I'd love to hear those backstories first. So Yoni and I had actually been talking about doing a project in the Hasidic world for years and have just enjoyed going out to these incredible celebratory events like um, Purim, which is kind of Jewish Halloween, where the streets are filled with kids dressed in all sorts of funny costumes. You can just walk into people's house and see a glimpse of the world that on most days you'd never see. I mean, the thing is, Haredi ultra-Orthodox societies are purposefully cold purposefully off-putting because they do not want to be part of our society. They don't want us to see their society. So on these days that Yoni and I got to be there and meet them, it was just eye-opening and, and so special that, that I knew that it was worth a really deep dive to make it. So in starting in 2014, I, um, I started in all in earnest doing research to make this movie where I would walk the streets and I come from a documentary. So I'm used to coming with a camera. The camera's always on me and I'm always feel like this nervous, anxious energy. Like you have to be filming. You have to get these moments. But the beautiful thing was when I had the pad and paper, it was just like, I could just really observe and just be there for the moment. Um, and during that time I was also casting. So Yoni would come and we, uh, would go out with a camera and, and do audition tapes with, with with ultra orthodox people to see who had the chops, you know, to really to really handle a film. And when the day we went and met Menasha up in New Square, I mean, he he's known as a comedian in the ultra orthodox world, but honestly, he could just do anything. I mean, he has pathos, he has empathy, he has something bittersweet, he has real raw emotions that that were immediate just in our small camera tests. And and then at that point, once I knew Menasha had the ability and and the tenacity to star in a film, I started interviewing him to. To write a script loosely based on his life, so that as a non-actor he had great source material. So we just took two. Actually, we just took two main ideas, which is that Menasha is really a widower, and that his son lives a few blocks away from them. And we took that source material and then constructed a narrative that that uses a neo-realistic slant. That I just wanted to show these incredible moments that I witnessed in my months of hanging out there. Um, so obviously I can go on and on and on and talk about this more, but maybe if, if you want to ask more questions or, or ask other things, I can get into it. Well, I do have questions for everyone, but in terms of just this topic, so you're working on the script and you're doing your research, but I imagine there were a lot of hurdles early on in terms of getting access or permission to film. I know from my own experience that like um, members of the ultra-Orthodox community don't like their image even to be shown or taken. Um, for modesty reasons. So how did you deal with some of that stuff? Even just convincing people to let some outsider come in and film and do this whole production. It, it was very challenging. I'm, as you said, most um, Haredi people refused to be in a movie. So early on, I reached out to Danny Finkelman, who runs a company called Sparks Next, and he makes incredible music videos and Jewish content. And I just couldn't believe the access he had in that community. And it's because he is a little above itch, um, person. 
So with his help, he really was the entree into that world and helped us have a lot of access and have a lot of authenticity and a lot of respect from people because a lot of people respected that he is a religious man and that he understands what what the boundaries of uh, acceptable behaviors are. Can I say one thing? I think that, you know, fiction filmmaking has sort of a rap that you come in with your ideas and you kind of create them from the world and impose an idea upon the world. And I think the reason Josh was able to make this film and capture the kind of authentic performances and get a glimpse into this world is that I don't think Josh came in and imposed an idea. I think Josh went in from the inside of the community and actually made the film with the community. So he mentions a producer of the film is inside the community. Menashe is inside the community. And so I think Josh was able to not come in and impose an idea upon the community, but to allow the community to feel like this is a film that actually has values and morals that are good to have out in the world. And and so in that way, we weren't we had a lot of challenges filming. At the same time, at its core, members of the community wanted us to make the film, which required a lot of trust building on Josh's part. So following up on that, Manasha, what were some things that you remember that Josh and his team did to make you feel comfortable participating early on? And on the same note, were there, or on the flip side, were there moments where you thought, I don't know? So really, my experience of uh, dealing with people, (laughs) I have a lot of uh, people who fooled me, you know, didn't pay me normally, to underestimate me. And I feel... I have a talent and people didn't get it. I could make stuff, but it's not professional. I have to find the right guy. So finally, I get to, to know someone who knows me. We get the, to feel the chemistry each other, that we understand each other. He knows my talent and he's professional. So let's go, we can do something. But who knows if he's trustable? And if he's even if he's trustable, who knows if he understands what the consequence will be, consequence, whatever, after that. So he contacted me with this Danny Finkelman, who Danny Finkelman works with other stuff. And I have my brother-in-law, Liebe Schmelzer, is also very known. So Liebe Schmelzer makes for him stuff. So he knows very well. Liebe Schmelzer grew up together with me. I say for Danny, I think it's not for me because maybe Chabad could do it. But uh, I understand my community, I'm going to get more bad uh, feedback than good feedback. So I have to thought if it's okay with me, if uh, I could emotionally take it, not to get like uh, knocked down, you know, uh, you try to do a good thing. And so Danny called me up. That's the point. And he told me, listen to me, that's opportunity you don't want to lose. And all the fronts, spiritually, for your talent, for the whole world, for everyone and for yourself. It's opportunity. You met a talented guy a guy who has a lot of trust, you could trust him, and go for it. Go for it, jump in, please jump in, trust me. I say, okay, I tell you, how you say, your opportunity, your responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there I go. So then I really want to talk about how it was shot, so we're coming up to that. But, um, but I'm wondering, so one of the things that was so exciting about being at the Q&A after your screening was that you mentioned this, uh, Menasha mentioned that this film was the first film you had seen in a theater and you were on the screen. Um, so the question for Josh about that is how did you, 
work with actors who might not have had the same points of reference cinematically that you had? So you know, most actors in this film um, had never seen a movie, let alone acted before. So which had its challenges at the same point, their faces are incredible. You know, their mannerisms are incredible. And and we would change the roles to fit the people that we cast. I mean, it was so important to make it feel authentic and, and alive and and simple and simple. Not simple is not the right word. I'm saying authentic. it's really authentic and, and to make it feel real. And so that the case, it also comes down to how we me and Yoni shot the film. Like from day one it was it was created to make it this was an actress movie, you know, out of Cassavetes in the sense that, like, we did global lighting. We didn't have marks for the actors. We shot two cameras so that, you know, all the actors could just be in the moment. And if there was a great take, we'd have the reactions from both sides. So, for, I mean, just by creation, we knew we were working with non-actors and we knew that our goal as production was to let them be great. And that, and that instructed every part of how we, how we produced this movie. I was actually thinking a lot because I know both of your work to some extent. Um, I was thinking a lot about your documentary backgrounds and was even struck again in the Q&A when someone basically referred to the film as a documentary, even after you had been on stage discussing the script, which actually I think speaks volumes about how authentic and sort of um, um, intimate the movie did feel. So I was wondering from the perspective of shooting, um, and, and setting up your shots, what did you bring with you from documentary filmmaking and what did you have to let go of? I mean, I think, yeah, it's a, it seems that documentaries always want to be compared to fiction films and fiction films, a compliment is to say they were so real, like they could be a documentary. So it's funny how that, how that works. And I, I mean, I think for me, what, what, what I think Josh and I really brought from documentary more than the camera style, handheld, simple lighting, more than that stuff. I really think the main thing we brought from us was trying to have like a sense of empathy and humility in working in this community because there's lots of very talented cinematographers and, and you know, I, I think the number one thing we could do every day was try and make everybody feel in that community that we weren't like an outside force coming in to invade their their space or privacy. So I think, you know, it helped that Josh and I had been working together, you know, from, from the beginning and casting the actors that like the first time we met Menasha, I think Menasha and I were doing acting exercises together. <laughs> so, it, you know, it sort of helped that, yes, I was, you know, shooting the film, but I think it helped that Josh and I had a relationship that made it feel like, you know, we're all in this together. And also from documentary, you embrace chaos. And sometimes I think we worked really hard to create chaos at the same point because it's that sloppiness, it's that messiness. Like that's what feels real. It's like there's nothing worse than than you, you see um, a fiction film, which is just it just feels staged. You know, it feels like you are watching something that 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 feels fake. There's there's nothing real there. It's, it's like they haven't even seen what life was. But for us, it's like by making things feel you know, slightly dark, backlit, um, flary, uh, something obstructing our views, like all these techniques that, that we do from documentaries almost intuitively helped create something that, that elevated the acting and elevated the movie. 
That's really interesting. Can you think of any specific examples of where you kind of like messed something up or did something more um, organically rather than set up formally? The, one of my favorite scenes in the film is, which is a really it's a throwaway scene, but like absolutely every time I watch it, I laugh. And it's about a beggar on the street. And we shot it with two 400 millimeter lenses. And we were, you know, a half block away from each other. And really it's Menasha walking to this beggar and they get in a little, a little, little fight with each other. But as we're filming, people, because we're so far away from this beggar and the beggar looks so authentic, people are actually putting money in his cup where he's begging for it. It's a great way to fundraise for an independent <laughs> film. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And anyway, so just that moment and to have the real world interacting with your actors it's incredible that that authenticity like permeates every frame of the movie. And then again, and just imagine like an AD blocking that scene and how many extras would have needed just, just to actually pull it off. I mean, in a big budget movie, uh, it would never feel felt the same. I actually um, assumed that some of the film had been shot verite and that that scene was one of them. I thought that was just some guy that you happened upon. I'm shocked to hear that it was cast and set up. Like that. So was anything shot documentary style or was everything set up? No, I mean, all the locations we had been to before had permission to be in, had, you know, good producers who made sure we had releases from everything. So there was nothing that we just showed up. But a lot of times we would go to a location like there's a lovely um, scene where Menasha makes his own sandwich. And it's just this great place that Josh found where... You can buy a sandwich, but instead of making the sandwich for you, you just make your own sandwich out of all the components. It's like such a Borough Park thing. And so, you know, there's no dialogue in the scene, but, you know, the guy behind the counter is actually the guy behind the counter who works there all the time. We didn't, you know, rehearse with him days in advance. Um, So stuff like that, I think, helps make the film kind of embedded in its location. But, you know, working in this world, many of the stores and organizations we worked with aren't used to film schedules the sense that like we are coming at 9 a.m tomorrow and we need to start working so i just want to give a shout out to everyone who really made this film happen which is like tracy carlson danelle eliav royce brown alex lipschultz i mean they work tirelessly this is all the producing team and melanie weinstein as well they work tirelessly just to secure that the actors showed up called them again and again and again to remind them you know like went to the store locations again and again and again to remind them made sure that people didn't want to sign release forms signed release forms made sure the stores signed signed the location release forms you know made sure the products that are authentic in the in the film that those got release forms you know these products these people I've never dealt with a contract, never dealt with um, film teams. So there was a lot of incredible time spent just to make sure that everything was completely legit. You can never tell watching it. It feels like literally, like you said, we pulled up the camera and it just happened. But that's a testament to all the hardworking people that made this film with us to add that, that, it, that it feels so authentic. Well, thank you for mentioning that because I think they're so often undersung those you know the people running around doing the stuff to make your films happen this episode and all of our sundance coverage is brought to you by road microphones 100 percent australian owned and made professional microphones for studio and broadcast and my road reel the world's largest short film competition 
Now in its fourth year running with over $500,000 in prizes given away so far, My Road Reel is back, bigger and better in 2017. More films, new judges, and more prizes. To view past winners and register for 2017, head to myroadreel.com and sign up now. Um, on the technical side, you know, no film school readers and listeners love the technical nitty gritty. So what did you shoot with? What did you light with? What were your lenses? All that. I love the forums on no film school. You guys have the best forums. Oh, our forums are there. Active is a way to say I love you guys. I do. We shot the film um, with Canon C300s, the classic model. Not even the latest one, uh, partly because we started before that camera came out. Um but also because we really wanted to have double coverage um, with two cameras rolling as much as possible. We wanted to be able to shoot in low light situations. We wanted to, you know, keep a relatively low profile and we wanted to keep a small film crew. So we didn't have like DITs and, you know, camera trucks and all that stuff with, with, with gear. Um, and we used, you know, an interesting selection of lenses as a way of kind of adding texture and character to some of these these scenes. So some of these lenses we used, I don't even know what the brand names they are. They were vintage lenses from Josh's uh, eBay searches. Yeah, exactly. I, I've done extensive testing on all sorts of vintage lenses and have a big collection of them. So, um, but th- those lenses just take really the digital edge off and... Um, and again, just give it a look because, you know, as much as I do love the Canon lens look, it, it does feel repetitive a lot. And I know they're very, they're, they're fantastic lenses, but we wanted to just give this film just a little bit more softer, um, subtle, low-con look that, that those lenses did. And then for the the really telephoto stuff, we did use Canon lenses with a lot of diffusion on top of it to do like the, the very telephoto shots. So I, as, as uh, I make my own sloppy, you know, clips before, I know my way how to do it. But I have one rule, I have to follow the director what he says. So I just erase all my thoughts and how to, the way how to do it. And I get to know that there's another kind of way. Because I never know how it will look and the way I'll capturing it this way, this way, this way. And for me, it was like very very hard for me you know to raise your thoughts of uh because the way i'm acting and i think and how people say see it from the lens totally different you know right that's, you have yeah. to let the director direct. yeah yeah so actually that's a great segue because yeah. another thing that's important at no film school is we always ask about advice so starting with you i'm i'm wondering what advice do you have for directors and how to work with actors who might be less experienced or who might not be as trusting. The joke I repeat all, uh, over and over, the less you know, the more you try to teach your, your teacher. <laughs> you know, a lot of people didn't know anything. You get to know more. You see, I didn't know anything. I have to know more and more. So I see that I didn't know anything. I know a little bit. I, I tried to learn. So I just erase all my, I try to, I try to suggest him if uh, this is good, this is good. If he says it's okay, okay, I'm very happy you take my <laughs> suggestion. But uh, if not, you know, I totally, I love, how you say, in general, the whole film is a different style that I know till now. The, a different style, different way. So now, let's say at this point when I'm I'm sitting in the, in, in, in the audience in, in screening and the first time I hear people 
was most of the people who saw tremendous a lot of films. So there's not people who didn't know films. And if they laughing, and so it gives me such more feedback, like they know what they're talking. And if they're laughing and enjoying it, that means that I'm tremendous good. You know, it gets me so much. They should uh, should be a good job. So it even gives me more than he knows what he does. You know, even I have, why did it this way, this way? The people who watch a lot of clips say that's the right way and that's a kind of a style what's tremendous. That's, I get it, uh, we, we made it. Well, that's a nice compliment to you, Josh. Yeah. I keep calling you Josh. Is that okay? You're Joshua and all the... You can even call me Joshy Pashi if you like. Oh. Also another thing that, that we talked about with Yoni was that we tried to do as many long shots as possible. Like I wanted run times of shots to be 60 seconds to, to two minutes. And and I'll, there's a lot of shots in the film that, that do last that long. And Menasha is an actor who can handle it and embrace it and do a, f- a great job. When he was with his son and you're, and you're in these moments and often the film like something visceral happens like a, a dramatic moment happens and instead of doing an edit we we sit with it you know for a long time and instead of going to reaction shots and it was something that i think was incredible with him but it's something that but for some longer dialogue scenes we weren't able to to do with them in, in long continuous shots yeah, so actors no one wants to make it a, a, again and again do it again do it again yeah. do it again i'm so happy that they say you made it two times three times it's okay mm-hmm. wow i made it yes so it gives me like wow it's great in, in the other hand you know people gets like oh i didn't have nerves you know you're not following up with the director get caught up, you know, like uh, all the time. Why all the time? Because you didn't made it. Made it one time. Have the nerves. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Then you will. <laughs> it's fine. No. Manash, remember yeah. when I told you to um, yell at Ruben that time in that scene? Yeah, and you he, told me to give him a smack. I, I can't do that, you know? You told him, do it. Yeah. So, so things like that. Like actually, so those are some, a lot of the, because Manasha is so empathetic as a person that when he had to actually be harsh to his son it broke his heart and and so we're and we're constantly battling like he, he is such a present actor that these things hurt him on the inside when he has to be mean to his son so th- there were challenges getting him to those performances but but we're always i mean we're always eventually able to get there but what I want, the whole point just as a teaching moment to the people who do listen is that um you know you really have to be present for the actors and actors get exhausted and tired so the thing is is you can't make them do the same thing over and over again you have to have a goal for the actors and then at the same point if they're not giving you what you want you have to then change your goal to fit the situation because at the end of the day it's like you only have those moments and actors only have so much emotions to give so you just have to work with what you you have there and and those scenes that we were there's some scenes that did take longer because they're just difficult emotionally or the dialogue is very long and and all of a sudden a scene that should take two hours to to film or take six hours to do because the actors get it's just very, very hard for to have the talent. Yeah, some hard po- points, but uh, it was very private in person, and I understand that I could do it, but it was hard for me to do it. Even in general, I didn't have a problem to talk about my interesting things. And I get some trembles, how you say, when you talk about the uh, old uh, emotions, but it was time when you told me, Give strength for yourself and do it. Do it. Do it. Okay, even like the, uh, like the smack. I never smack my son. How do you tell me to do that? <laughs> well, are you glad with that he made you do it when you saw the film? I, I, I'm glad from the outcome. Like, right. How, what I, what's my reaction after then? But 
Uh, you know, when I decided I could give him a smack, I asked uh, Reuven, I asked the, the son, could I do it? He says, yes. Oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> He was a ta- he's a talented yeah, kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to hit him. No. So I'm just ready. <laughs> no. Um, Isn't he so sweet? He doesn't want to hit kids. Look at this guy. Menashe is available. He's, he's available today. for babysitting too. Sue me. I was, I was afraid oh, every day. Maybe end of the day, maybe at the end of the day, Josh will tell me, you know what? It's a set-up scam. So I'm going to ask you, Yoni, mm. um, advice for DPs who might be um, kind of doing what you do and shifting between shooting narratives and docs and like kind of um, wrapping your mind around that, that tr- those transitions. Yeah, I, I really think that moving between documentary and, and fiction doesn't feel that crazy to me anymore because... You know, making a good documentary and making a good fiction film, it's all about trust. And the trust that Josh built with this community and our actors is the same trust that we need as documentary filmmakers to go into these situations. So, yes, there was a script. Yes, we had a schedule. Yes, we had a talented actors. But I think the bottom line is that, you know, if someone's going to allow you into their house to film some private moment in a documentary or someone's going to allow you to film a very private emotional moment like Manasha does in this film it still has to be based based upon trust and that's not really mm, something you can like uh, buy or do anything except spend a lot of time earning with people and I think you know maybe sharing a little bit about of, of yourself with people who, who are in front of the camera is probably the best way to do that okay last question for you Joshi Pashi is um, so It's your first narrative feature, and here you are at Sundance. It's everybody's dream. So what general advice do you have for first-time feature makers, maybe who are in that moment of, like, can I do this? I just got an email from somebody from from a student in Oregon recently that said, do you have advice to give to my <laughs> college class? And I think I said ride your bicycle. But the sense that it's just that you really have to put your cell phone down and the computer away and just be outside and, and look around and be a parent. But I know that that's the worst advice because people want to know really, really what to do. But I think it's it's actually, it's like make something that you know you can make. Make something that 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 is, obviously you have to make something that's emotionally complex, but make something that's simple in terms of production. Like design something that's actually feasible and don't wait around for money to, to come. Because if you're not doing, you don't have regrets. Yeah. And by not doing, you don't have regrets. You could have regret, you could succeed. With not doing, of sure you're gonna have, didn't have regret, didn't have a success. success. Yeah. But more as well as like, don't worry about the fanciest camera. Jump in. Yeah, jump yeah. into it. But, but literally. Try, try. It's right. I'm repeating what Masha says because he's so genius, you know, and he actually is the real reason why the film is great. But I just think it's like, people get so worried about gear and about money and about famous names and all that does not matter. All that matters is that you're actually showing truth, which is what Yoni said too, is that like, by capturing real truth it transcends anything and um sometimes it could get, take a whole decade to connect with the right guy that he says trust to, to get a trust with someone but he's still doing it and doing it and one day you get, you get the right one but not trying you know you're gonna have, gonna have regrets i could do that you have to jump in and finally the last thing is also like back to like about making yourself is to make your own luck i mean No one's coming to save you. No one's coming with the money. It's like, if, it, if you're not putting it on your back, it's not going to happen. 
Well, thank you all so much, and best Thanks, of Liz. luck getting the film out there. I'm so excited for what's what's going to happen. Appreciate it so much. Thank you all for listening. Menasha is playing at the Berlin Film Festival this week, and you can keep up on its release news at weinsteinfilm.com or by following Menasha Film on Facebook. Meanwhile, you can follow me on Twitter at LizFilm and subscribe to the No Film School podcast on iTunes, where you'll hear more great interviews like this one every other Monday and our Indie Film Weekly News Show every Thursday morning. We also invite you to visit nofilmschool.com to learn more about the craft of filmmaking. See you on Thursday. Thursday.